Welcome along, everyone, to another Tune Under podcast, the original and best Southern Hemisphere podcast for all things Newcastle United. Um, joining me today for a bit of a rant, I'm guessing, because of the way things panned out for uh, us at uh, Stupid O'Clock this morning. I think it was a 3.30 a.m. kickoff against Liverpool for us. Um, uh, Demi's joining me uh, from down in Melbourne. Uh, this is this is going to be. We're going to try and keep this short. Uh, we're not going to sort of do the usual match review as such because we've got some key key points that obviously we need to have a chat about. Um, one eye on next weekend, uh, the the big cup final. Uh, Dimmy, uh, not a, not a great morning for for Newcastle fans. You had a bit of a crap Monday morning, uh, NFL wise and Super Bowl as well. Um, luckily, the victory pulled one out for you yesterday, so at least you have something to to smile about this weekend. Yeah, I mean, Saturday day, night, winning the derby was was sensational. Got home around midnight, had a couple of hours sleep and then was ready for the tune. I was I was quite relaxed pre-game thinking I'm confident in that we're going to get a result, confident that we're going to perform well. And the first nine minutes went pretty well. And then for about 12 minutes, which we'll discuss, anything that could go wrong went wrong. And you're watching the game at 4.45 a.m. in Melbourne thinking – we're two nil down. We're down to ten men. What the fuck am I doing with my life? But <laughs> I stuck. I stuck it out, and uh, and the and the boys, as we'll discuss, they they also stuck stuck it out. So um, yeah, it could be better, but um, onwards and upwards. I'm I'm actually impressed. I, I got up at three thirty. I was I was awake because I couldn't sleep as usual. Once once you wake up at that time in the morning and you know there's a game on, there's just no chance you're getting back to sleep. So I started watching it. Um, I think I must have switched off at about the sixtieth minute mark. <laughs> Uh, went back to bed, thought, no, nah, I'm just getting some sleep after this and uh, watch the watch the highlights and the replay in the morning. Um, so, yeah, look, hugely important game for us. And I think the – I want to ask your opinion first of all because obviously I think everyone knows it's it's gone a little bit pear-shaped, the game itself. We've lost 2-0. We hadn't had our goalkeeper sent off for a bit of a brain fart moment. Um, and we'll discuss all of these moments in a minute. But – the, the start of the game in terms of the build-up, um, huge war flags display, um, as usual, doing absolutely fantastic job. Um, apparently, there was a bit of a kerfuffle with the sound system for some of the pre, pre-planned pre events for Sir Bobby Robson's uh, would-be 90th birthday. So, um, And then, obviously, the sad news that uh, Christian Atsu's body was found. So, yeah, um, his, his wife and his kids were at the game um, as guests and... Obviously, the, the the minute silence turned into a minute's pause, which was which was good to see. Um, everyone was singing his name and you know singing the Christianatsu song. Uh, what what did what did you make of the build up to the game? And and do you think what what I want to know is do you reckon that that had any effect on the actual outcome of the game where there was so much going on and obviously with with cup finals on the horizon as well. Um, do do you think that's kind of maybe taken the eye off the ball a little bit for the players? I see what you're saying. There's a lot of distractions. I mean, obviously, the celebration for Sir Bobby's would-be 90th birthday is distraction enough. But then when you wake up in Saturday morning UK time to find out that one of your ex-players' body has been found dead in the in the earthquakes in Turkey, it's it does put everything in, into perspective. And obviously, would hit hard, would hit home hard on on a fair, a fair few of that squad who've played with that too. So that that definitely is is is, is tough and you add in the fact there's a big cup final and no one no one wants to get injured or suspended. We'll talk about Popey, but no one, no one wanted to miss the game next week. So there's a lot going on. But if you even if we'll, we'll go through it, but the first 10 minutes, I thought we started really well. 
And I thought it, it didn't distract us in the opening nine or 10 minutes in terms of how we were pressing, how we were attacking. It was, yeah, it was sort of a couple of moments of, well, three moments of lapses of concentration. And, and against even a Liverpool team who's not been good this season, especially away from home, they've been awful, but they've still got world-class players and world-class players with a bit of space and with a bit of confidence are going to punish you. So that that's unfortunately what happened to us. Yeah, so I mean the first the first goal obviously uh I mean as you said we we started the game really well. Miggy had a a pretty decent opportunity to stick us up, stick us 1-0 up. Yeah, I mean <clears throat> those are the sorts of things that, you know, we we came to deride Miggy for um in some respect where he was never scoring those sorts of chances and we wanted those sorts of chances to be put away by any player in 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 the first team. Um, and he's gone on his little purple patch um, before the World Cup break. Do, do you? Th- I mean, he, he's kind of like he, he has scored since he's been since we've been back playing. But you know, he still has that little lapses of concentration or just not that that cutting edge that you really want. But that could have been huge for us to go in like to you know get that one goal advantage so early in the game. Yeah, especially at home, crowds up for it. An early goal would have really threw the threw the cat amongst the pigeons, and even even when Maxi put him through, you just looked at Miggy. He didn't look like someone who was going to score. I mean, Allison did really well. He got out off his line really quickly, but even his first touch and his and his demeanor didn't look like someone who had that confidence that he had perhaps a couple of months ago. I remember the yeah. goal he scored against Southampton, where he sort of waited for the defender to fly by and calmly started the ball past him. I think he's not. He's definitely not in that same mindset. And and clearly he, he didn't put it away and, and you got have to give credit to Allison as well. But but yeah, it was a big moment and probably was the the big chance we had early on, especially to to take advantage before all hell broke loose at about ten minutes. Yeah, and then uh, I mean it's it's the sort of start you really want with the crowd that were that were clearly up for the game. They were they were making a lot of noise. They were they were definitely getting behind the seat the team. It was um, yeah not to be. Liverpool breaks pretty much for the first time in the game after about 13 minutes or so, um, sort of like 14 minutes, I think it was, something like that, um, and literally tore us apart. Now, my viewpoint of that whole goal, um, you know, firstly, the ball through was great, don't get me wrong, but Nunes has so much luck on that ball. That could have bounced anywhere and it just like happens to like bounce off his chest, yeah. bounce onto his knee, Perfectly, takes it yeah. through perfect, perfect position for him to take a shot on. You know, I mean, it's just it's one of those things where you go like, yeah, fair enough. There's not much you could do about that because it's just pure luck. But the defending was absolutely atrocious. Kieran Trippier, not for the first time in a few games as well. Um, he's been guilty of being the one to play players on side that's cost us goals over the last few games. Um, this is this is a couple of times he's been guilty of that now. Uh, look, great finish by Nunes. I'm not going to take that away from him. But as good as Trippier ha- has been for us and as much as everyone kind of derides St. Maximin and Miggy and all the other players who are, who are not playing well, Kieran Trippier, we need to discuss the fact that he is being... 
a little bit sloppy in terms of his positioning for some of the goals that we're conceding at the moment. And I don't think anyone in the teams above criticism, I'm not, not going to go overboard about it because you look, he is absolutely fantastic for us. And he is pretty much like the, the ultimate captain for that side right now in terms of his leadership on the pitch. But, you know, his free kicks have not been great of late. His delivery hasn't been spot on. He's been guilty of giving the ball away in some bad positions in some of the games. And he's he's cost us a few goals by being the one that's played the the attacker on side. And, and that's pretty much what it came down to on this one with Nunes. Um, is that how you see it? And and do you think or you hope that Trippi is kind of getting all this out of his system because he's he's got his eye um, elsewhere at the moment, maybe? Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, yeah. Potentially, look, in, on that goal specifically, I mean, it, it's a good finish in the end by Nunes, but you can't tell me that he, he meant to control the ball and onto his onto his stomach and the ball fell fluid. He got lucky. Let's just yeah. call it what it is. He got lucky. Especially given like, what we've seen from him so far this season. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, it was a great ball by Alexander-Arnold, but there's no way that he should be in that much space. You could see yeah. at halftime um, on Optus, they were going through the goal and, ha- and how it happened. For some reason, Trippier was trying to cover, I think it was Robertson on, on the far left-hand side, and he left left a gap between Cher and himself just way too big. And yeah. sort of Arnold just popped the ball over the top, and he got lucky with the touch. But once you get lucky with the touch, when you're about 20 yards from goal, one-on-one with the keeper, it's more more likely than not it's going to be a goal. And, and obviously, it fell perfectly for him when he scored. But definitely, Trippier, you're right. He has, he has made a few mistakes lately. He has been guilty of losing concentration and sort of, losing his positioning it, it's it, it's something to to be wary of obviously he's never going to be dropped and he shouldn't be dropped no he's no. the captain he's 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 the leader he's been superb for us but it's definitely something to watch and definitely something that we need to hone hone in on this weekend because obviously we'll get to the preview later in the week with with it with our shows but there's definitely going to be something that manchester united are going to focus on and and potentially you'll see instead of nunes making that run it could be rashford yeah. on that inside channel and if you let Rashford go goal side, the form that he's in, that's that's yeah, a sure. good night. For so sure. it's definitely something that Trippier's got to be aware of. And I'm I'm sure he is he's, he's a professional, but but definitely I think he was at fault for for that first goal. Yeah, and then before we know it, we're we're two nil down to another sloppy bit of defending. Um now there was there was some issues with the build up to the second goal where again it was probably like their second foray forward and you know, they've, they've literally done nothing else in the game but go forward twice and score two goals that both were pretty sloppy defending on our part, which, which A, is so, like, not in character for this side right now. I mean, we're still sitting there with the best defensive record in the league. You know, we're not conceding those sloppy goals. It's, like, it's normally been like this worldy out of nowhere. That's That's been the only way we could be beaten. And yeah, so look, whether or not it's tired minds, whether or not this mind's focused on other things, as we've already said, um, who knows? But the second goal, I think, was probably a little bit of they're used to Bruno being in that spot in kind of just in front of the defenders. And Byrne wasn't really sure where to go because he had two players that he was supposed to be marking. St. Maximum was kind of marking his player. Someone else went out um, from the Liverpool line and kind of really seemed to kind of throw our players off. And Trippier and uh, Shah, I think it was, were were seemingly caught in two minds about who was supposed to be picking up who. And they were kind of almost ball watching a little bit. And, you know, great ball through. And again it's like 
it, it's a nice ball, but you should be defending those things better and you should be playing that line better because, again, it was a really borderline offside call and it was guilty from players not, not pushing out quick enough. Um, how did you see the second goal anyway? Yeah, I think the second goal, the problem started, I think, when one of the one of the, I'm not sure the name of the young Liverpool midfielder, but he turned Longstaff inside out and sort of drove forward. And like you said, with Bruno not there, we we don't really have a, a natural number six. And I mean, Longstaff's been pulverizing, but he's been for his ability. I think he's been very good this season for us. But he's not the quickest player, and if you get him caught in transition, he, he can he can get found out. So that that was the first problem. But I just don't understand how we can give. Mo Salah that much time near the box. Yeah. I mean, he's he's world class. His left foot is is magical, and he put it on a dime, and 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 Gapko scored scored a nice goal. But Sharon again, that right hand side of our defence, Sharon Trippier weren't on the same page, and we didn't push out quick enough. We didn't, we weren't in sync. And again, all it takes is one or two lapses of concentration when you're playing world class players like Salah yeah. is. I mean, Gapko had a great World Cup for the for the Dutch. These guys are world class players. They don't need much space to, to score a goal. And like you said, he was only a bee's dick on side. So even even half even half a half an inch closer to closer to Salah, he would have been caught offside and, and lived to fight another day. But again, it's those moments that we're losing that concentration, which we weren't previously and, and it's costing us. And I mean, we can't really complain defensively because we've been so good this season. Mm. I think it's the only time we've copped two goals in the Premier League since since the last Liverpool game. I don't think we've copped two goals in a game yeah. since then. So and especially two goals so early in the game. I, I can't remember a time we've copped two goals so early in the game. So definitely an, an unusual one for us. And, and hopefully it is the the bad one. Maybe we need it out of the way before before the big final. I mean, you don't want to make be making the same mistakes again in the final. Yeah, exactly. And I, I'm going to ask you about that because it's something that Lee brought up on the group chat earlier on today with, with potentially bonuses coming of that performance and that defeat uh, in, in terms of of being a kick up the ass. Um, but we'll come back to that in a minute and just a little touch on the, on the final on the horizon. We will be doing a full blown um, sort of grand, a final preview for, for the, for the Carabao cup. So um, keep an eye out for that one. I think all of us are due on, on board for that one. So it's going to be a, going to be a packed house. Uh, Jack's going to lead that one. So looking forward to that one anyway. Um, getting a bit excited now. A little bit nervous after that result has to be said. Um, but yeah, and then literally uh, the 13 minutes of madness uh, culminates in Nick Pope, not for the first time in the game either, running out yeah. um, to try and intercept a ball. Um, managed to kind of head the ball away in the first time that he did it and, and get away with it. The second time he went to the ground, clearly mistimed everything. Um, looks as on the replay like he had his, his eyes closed when he came in contact with the ball anyway. Um, and then, so yeah, look, he ended up handling the ball. It wasn't even like borderline outside his box. He's almost more, he's closer to the halfway line than he is to his box. So um, not, not the ideal moment um, to kind of lose one's head, shall we say. Uh, and then, yes, obviously, look, he's gone off with his red card. Um, Dubravka's come on. Uh, I feel really bad for Elliot Anderson, who got his first yeah. start for the club, his first ever start in the Premier League. And against Liverpool, short yeah. Against Liverpool, and it's cut short just because, like, Pope loses his head, gets sent off, and uh, we have to have a bit of a reshuffle. But, you know, what was Pope thinking to come out that far, and why didn't he just put his foot through it? Great question. 
don't think he was thinking. Don't think he was thinking, to be fair. And you can just see it happening in slow-mo. The ball was sort of going away from Pope and he kept getting closer and the ball wasn't really bouncing to the level of a header. And you're thinking, Popey, what are you doing? And then it's one of those reflex moments. As soon as he's sort of missed the ball with his head and the ball's under him, reflex, his hands go there, touches the ball, and the referee deems goal-scoring opportunity, red card. Hard to argue it's a goal-scoring opportunity. There was, I think, Longstaff or one of the other defenders was sort of in the vicinity, but it, it's hard to argue that it's not a goal-scoring chance with with if Sulla gets that ball first, he's yeah. clean through on goal and Longstaff yeah, can't, it, it was can't weird use though, his hands. Sulla looked like he'd kind of backed out of the challenge thinking that Pope yeah. was just going to go through it. He's so, going nowhere near it. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's going nowhere yeah. near it. He'd actually pulled out of it. So, yeah, Pope kind of probably could have gotten away with it had he stayed on his feet and just cleared the ball like normal. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. No, he, it was it was just a, a complete moment of madness. Um, I, I've seen uh, excerpts of Eddie Howe's post-match interview. He's apparently suggesting that he felt it was a harsh red card and it should have just been a yellow card. There's no word whether or not they're actually going to appeal it. Um, you know, the, the, the fact is that that now rolls, rules Nick Pope out of the final uh, with Martin Dubravka having played for Manchester United already in the Carabao Cup is now cup tied. So we will be at our backups of backups keeper keepers at the moment. Darlow's out on loan. There is no release. There is no recall clause in that loan deal. So we are literally down to either Loris Karius to get his first start for the club um, in the final, um, which would be an absolute fantastic story for him, given he was probably scapegoated a bit for his his um his, his messing up in the Champions League by uh, when he played for Liverpool. Um I I hope he comes in. I, I'm backing him entirely. I think he is a good keeper. Uh, I think as I said, I think he he's been hounded out of Liverpool a little bit because of one mistake. Uh yes in a high profile game, but you know that the the reality is if you're a goalkeeper and you make one one little mistake, usually it ends up in a goal. Um, if you're a forward and you make that mistake, you can do it time and time again. And, oh, that was a really, you know, I mean, Miggy should have scored. Callum Wilson will get to that. He should have scored. Um, and, you know, yes, we're going to criticise them, but it's never going to result in that bad publicity like a goalkeeper will get if he if he ends up conceding a goal from a from a bad mistake uh the other option i think we've got is keith uh is um is gillespie mark gillespie, gillespie. <laughs> mark gillespie. um <laughs> no <laughs> to be honest i'm not sure i'd uh, i'd feel any less uh less um, <laughs> anxious with either of those in goal um i'm hoping carrius gets the nod uh sure. but yeah look I, you, you and i both actually agree i think um Carius is not a bad keeper and I'm, I'm fully on board with him being in goal and I'm not too stressed about that if that's the option that how goes for. Um, you're, you're feeling the same? Yeah, I think we're actually very lucky because we're, like you said, we're at goalkeeper number four in the squad. Pope's out. Dubravka's number two. He's cup-tied. Darlow's number three. He's on loan. So Carius is actually number four. I think you'd, you would not find a, a number four goalkeeper in the world who has as much experience as carriers, who's played in as big a games as carriers. So albeit his last big game that he played for an English club didn't end too well against Real Madrid where he made those two howlers. But I mean, you, you want, you want someone who's at least had experience. Gillespie hasn't. Yeah. I'd, 
I wouldn't even know what it looked like to be honest when he walked down the street. So I don't I don't see him playing at Wembley. But but Karras has that experience and and that is very important in big games. And and like you said, it's it's not like we're playing a, a 16 year old kid who's never never played any games professionally and he's going to be shit scared at the moment. You you, you don't think Karras is going to be as experienced and. And the the key for us is going to be the rest of the the rest of the team. I mean, if our defence is on point, our midfield's on point, Karius is not going to be a spectator, but Karius is not going to have to be the world beater. If Karius has to be a world beater for us to win the game, we're probably not going to win the game. That just yeah. means Man United's dominating, and and there's countless chances. Even the games this year where we've won and Popey's made one or two saves, we've we've more or less dominated the game and and haven't been battered from pillar to post. So. As long as we're not battered from pillar to post, I, I trust carriers can make one or two saves when called upon to, to keep us in a bit. In terms of that, just quickly on that appeal, I think the only recourse we potentially might have is I was reading reading up on the uh, on the FA website. It's depending on whether the referee in his match report has actually included that there was a covering defender or not. So if the referee has has missed that, and said there's no covering defender. It's a denial of a clear goal-scoring opportunity. The one grounds for appeal we would have, whether you believe it or not, is the fact that there is a player somewhat in the vicinity who could mm-hmm. have cleared the ball. So on that point, we potentially could have an appeal. And if that's the case, the appeal could be heard post next weekend and he, he may be able to play. But I, I'd find that very I'd, I'd be shocked to be fair if if we go down that path and and that and that has happened on the match report but that is the only sort of one percent chance if if you call it that that um that pope is allowed to play next week i mean it is what it is he's made a mistake we've got to move forward like i said with carriers and i think we're we're lucky enough we've got keeper number four who's an experienced goalkeeper and he's not just some bum off the street no, for sure. And I think it's, you know, previous seasons, we probably would have been down to an untried uh, teenager well, yeah. or something off the yeah. bench. But yeah, so at least remember we've got the Chelsea, there was a, Yeah, there was a Chelsea game a few years ago, I think. Um, I can't remember if it was Cruel went off or someone went off. And Jack Ornlick, I think his name was, came mm-hmm. on, an 18-year-old kid. And he he looked rubbish. I mean, he, yeah. he looked really, really raw. And I think we ended up holding on against Chelsea, winning 2-1. He came on, it was 2-0. 2-0 up and we ended up holding on to a 2-1 win. That's, yeah. that's that's the last thing you want, a reserve goalkeeper who is a true youth player who doesn't have that experience. So, yeah. Carriers And especially that box, in the I final because the, yeah. the pressure is going to be on as well. And, and Huge. if you haven't got any experience, then, you know, you the don't. last thing yeah. you want is all the pressure on your shoulders as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Look, it is what it is. We go down to 10 men. Um not not the ideal start to the game. <laughs> it's like 13 minutes gone. Uh, the 20 minutes, minutes in, yeah. 20-odd minutes on the clock. And 2-0 down, down to 10 men. And it came out of nowhere because of the good start that we had. And what I, what I was actually really impressed with was when we reshuffled and St. Maximum was having some really good runs down the left-hand side, we were kind of targeting um, Alexander-Arnold down that left-hand side for, for Maxi to run that. Um, he he shifted kind of more centrally after after the reshuffle, and I was actually really impressed with his ability to not only create that counter attack opportunity that 
we we kind of came to understand it was his game under under Bruce because effectively everyone else was just playing behind the ball and the the, the whole game plan was get it to Maxi and hope that he does something. Um, he was taking the ball a little bit deeper. Um, he was taking players on. He, he was dribbling the ball well. Uh, even when he got the ball, he was still getting loads of defenders closing him down. And he still managed to kind of create some half chances. Seemed to link up really well with Isak as well, which I thought was really good signs. Um, Isak had a couple of nice runs with the ball, obviously starting to feel a little bit more comfortable um, sort of in the squad and what his role and everything is now, which which was good. Uh, the the rest of the team didn't really add a lot, you know, like Miggy and, and Trippier doing their usual link up down the right-hand side. But we didn't give up. We still gave as good as we got in, in the rest of that first half. Um, and the, the big thing for me was that the crowd didn't get, the crowd could have easily turned. The crowd could have easily lost interest as much as we did when we were on the group chat going, well, this is screwed. It's like, like why, why even bother now? Um, but they, they kept on behind the, the, the players and they gave, they gave everything they could to support the players, um, which, which was really good to see, I thought. But how did you see the rest of that half, half playing out? You know, we, we didn't create any real clear cut chances, but we certainly threatened their goal. And it, we, we certainly weren't under pressure ourselves. Yeah, we weren't under pressure. Despite what one of the co-commentators, Jim Bedlin, yeah, made you sure. believe, uh, Liverpool weren't back to their best. They weren't dominant. We we looked very solid. As I said, once we did that, as you said, once we did that reshuffle and we got into shape and Maxi sort of played off Isaac, up front with Isaac, we we did cause some problems on, on the counter-attack. And, I mean, Maxi ended up hitting the crossbar. I think Allison made a save off a shot. They hit the crossbar. Dan Byrne hit the crossbar with a header. I think that was a decent chance. So we were actually the ones creating the better chances towards the end of the first half. And if we need to go... had a clear header from a corner as well that he put wide. Yeah, so we, we were creating chances and we weren't we weren't afraid that we were going to get run over. And obviously supporters, we thought 2-0 down, 10 men. You're thinking Liverpool's going to score 6 or 7 here and our confidence is just going to be completely rooted by next week. But it wasn't. It wasn't like that at all. We weren't wide open at the back, and you have to give credit to Eddie Howe and and the way he was able to reshuffle the squad and and, and the team. The team was great. I think we did probably we probably deserved the goal to be fair before half time. We had we had enough. I think we enough chances, half yeah. half decent openings that could have could could have made made the game interesting at two one even with ten men. But but yeah, definitely we didn't go into our shells, and I thought we were we were fantastic with ten men for the rest of the half. Yeah, for the for the, the the players to show that kind of metal when you know you have that kind of short period where the game effectively should just be away from you and you're not getting back into it for them to to give everything they did, I think was was probably showing us that the team spirit's still there and and the effort and the determination is still there. Uh, you know that was before Eddie Howe could talk to them at halftime as well to get them back reshuffled. So the fact that they took that um, sort of on the chin, if you like. I mean, I was I was watching that and sort of shades of Aston Villa when we had players having punch-ups on the ground and Stephen Taylor gets sent off for a shot by a sniper at moment. And, you know, it was it was one of those, like, this anything that, as you said, anything that could go wrong went wrong in, in that short period of time. And you're kind of just thinking, well, that's it. That's gone. It's like this is a team that hasn't been playing well. We had a clear opportunity here to kind of, 
get another few points on the board, build that cushion again for that fourth spot. Um, and it's kind of just gone away from you in such a short period of time. But, you know, look, we we, uh, we came back out in the second half. We've, we've played well again. Um, we had a little bit of a shuffle of some players. So Callum Wilson came on, uh, Gordon came on. Um, you know, it, it, it didn't sort of, didn't create that spark that I thought we, we maybe would have gotten from those players coming on. But, you know, you, you're playing with 10 men still. We, we created some chances again in the second half um, and none none more so than Callum Wilson's effort where it was such a tame shot. Put through on goal, basically kicks it into Allison. Uh, what did you make of that chance? Because to me, if that it was kind of at that point where, look, if we can score one goal we're probably back into this because that's going to give the crowd a lift. The players are going to have that belief. But, you know, Callum Wilson's probably the best opportunity and none of it was just falling our way in this game. So, you know, what did you what did you make of the the goal itself, the, the goal chance itself? It was huge. I mean, I think they lost the ball in the midfield and Gordon, Gordon broke. It was a three on two. I think, I can't remember who he had on his right, but Wilson was wide, wide open on the left. And you're thinking Callum Wilson, that's, should be bread and butter for him, or really for any striker. That's one on one, edge of the box. Allison's out of his, out of, off his line. It, it needed a bit of a chip. He, he was, it was a weird finish. I mean, you're like, you're right. It was a tame finish. He was sort of nonchalant, just passed it. Thought, oh, I'll just slot this in, but it needed a bit more, a bit more lift. And you, you were hoping that Wilson would put that, put that one in because you're right. It would have given the crowd a big lift with about 15, 20 minutes to go. Yeah. Who knows what would have happened? I mean, Liverpool might have stepped it up and 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 we're done. But two one down, you never know. Two 0 was a dangerous scoreline, even though you got ten men. So it was a massive chance, and it just proven even with ten men, we created such a great chance. There was also earlier in the half. I think Cher had his header earlier in the half, or Isaac had a shot that was just over the bar as well. So there was a couple of again, a couple of chances where we were creating that Liverpool were having to deal with us. It wasn't just. Liverpool had 90% of the ball and yeah. we weren't going over the halfway line. We were picking our moments to attack and, yeah, that Wilson chance was was huge. Yeah, you kind of need to take those when when you, when they come around in those sorts of games, unfortunately. Um, so this, this is something that I think has been building for a while. How worried are you at our lack of goal scoring at the moment? Because it is starting to become that that sort of elephant in the corner of the room that really does need addressing at some point because we are struggling to score goals we're not scoring from corners despite the like you know the the amount of corners we have and the the heights in the side that we have um we seem to be either not creating the clear-cut chances or fluffing the chance when we when we get them um you know how, how much is that going to sort of compound the more it goes on and and it's going to become that psychological barrier for the players at some point i mean goal goal scoring is all about confidence and you can tell that a lot of players in the team are short on confidence in front of goal mickey we spoke about before callum wilson he scored against west ham a couple of weeks ago but he also missed two great chances against west ham so he's not at his at his sharpest isaac hasn't scored for a few games maxi hasn't scored for a long time. So there's not really anyone who's full of confidence in front of goal. And we are creating chance. I'm going to keep coming back to the fact that we are creating the chances and law of averages, hopefully the law of averages get to us next Sunday and we score four against Man United and, and we lift the cup. But law of averages say you're going to obviously get some luck and you're going to score some goals maybe when you don't deserve to, but 
when you when you do deserve deserve to score goals, it might be against you. But sometimes those things do have a way to even out. And at the yeah. start of the season, we were scoring absolute belters. I mean, there was probably about ten or twelve goal of the season contenders for us in the first half of the season. We were scoring cracking goals. It wasn't just tap-ins every week. So yeah. that was going to come down a little bit and, and there has been a drop-off in terms of our goal scoring, which is which is a huge issue. But we are still creating the chances and I'm going to keep hanging my hat on the fact that we are creating chances. It's not like we're not getting any sorts of goal. Yesterday, I know everyone hates the expected goals stat, but yesterday we had a very similar expected goals to Liverpool. I think it was two point something um, compared to Liverpool, who was maybe 2.3 or 4, maybe one one point ahead of us. So... It was very close in terms of what the quality of chances we created. And obviously they got more quality in front of goal and, and they yeah. took their chances. We didn't. But as long as we're creating the chances, I'm going to be confident that it's going to turn around. And I think it might take, again, like it did against Fulham, a bit of luck for us where someone gets sent off in the opposition or we score we score a deflected goal. Something happens where there's a bit of a bit of luck our way and then the floodgates open. And I think that's what's going to take. And... Hopefully that's next week when Bruno shoots from 40 yards and it takes a big nick off one of their defenders and and we all wheel away celebrating. Yeah, that would that would be nice. Um, I mean, I guess the, the the thing is, it's you know it's a big game next weekend. Obviously, it it can't be in the back of players' minds that oh well, hang on, this is yeah. I I don't want them to feel like the pressure's there because we haven't scored, we can't score. And when they get the chance, they're, they're not going to take it. And to me, that's the big worry um, is just that, you know, they need to believe that at some point it's going to come. Um, and, yeah, look, the likes of likes of Isak, he's been out injured. Maxi's been out injured. You know, they're, they're, they're kind of just working their way, way back up into form. And, you know, it was never going to be easy when you're playing against, you know, you're, you're a man light um, in the game. So... You know that the chances have probably got even more pressure on them. So, look, let's let's hope that you know they, they get a few of those those uh, lucky bounces go their way for a change because I think we're probably overdue for for some of that luck that uh, Liverpool seem to get with come up a couple of theirs uh, despite the bad defending as well. Um, so yeah, look, <clears throat> I guess I, I can't fault the players' attitude for this game. Uh, I can't fault the, the the drive and the determination. Um, it was. A, a short period of complete and utter madness that that effectively sealed the game quite early on. Disappointing that we didn't score. Um, I felt our overall play probably deserved it. Uh, so I, I'm going to ask before we have a bit of a touch on uh, on, on some some scope for, for next weekend. Uh, just while we're here, uh, do you have a man of the match? Because it's going to be a pretty slim pickings from that uh, from that monumental uh, sort of underwhelming performance. I do, and I think it's it's a very important moment. I think, and potentially could be huge for us next week. And I think Maxi was was the best player on the pitch. I mean, yeah. maybe besides Allison, Allison made some cracking saves for Liverpool. He he was very good as well. There wasn't one standout Liverpool player, but but for us, Maxi was superb. And I think it just shows to me with with Saint Maximum, he needs that big occasion or bright lights game to, to really show his stuff. We saw it early in the season against Manchester City. He really turned it on and was he was the best player in the park. And that's when they've got De Bruyne on the pitch, Haaland. He was clearly the best player on the park that day. Today, again, I mean, Salah's on the pitch. you got Gapko, you got Nunes, Firmino. I mean, these are big players. And 
again, for me, Maxi was the best player, the best attacking player on the pitch. So I think that's only going to benefit us go heading into next week with a, a St. Maximan full of confidence again and got that bit of spark about him. He felt felt like today he had that bit of spark when he was dribbling. He didn't he didn't have that for some reason the last few weeks. I mean, it may, it may be match fitness. He hasn't played for a long yeah. time, but he felt like today he really believed when he was on the ball that he was going to do something, and he he was putting Liverpool players on the back foot. So I think a fit a fit and firing Maxi could be a secret secret weapon for us next week. And I think in terms of man of the match, yeah, he was he was clearly BOG for me. No, for sure. I think I think he gets my vote as well. It's uh, he, he seemed to be kind of almost back to the Maxi of old, where he's he's ta- he's willing to take players on, but is tracking back and he's doing his off the ball sort of pressing of players. Look, he's never going to be he's never going to be a Joe Linton in terms of that huge midfield enforcer. But as long as he does his job in terms of you know doesn't just let his his player like waltz off into the into their offensive um half then you know that's all you can kind of ask of him as long as he is providing that spark going forward which he absolutely did in this game um it was nice to see him put a few he's been putting some really nice crosses in as well um he's been linked as i said look he linked up really well with isak as well i think there's a couple of times where both of them probably still not quite on the same wavelength where they they kind of held off passing the ball to the to the other player um a little bit too long and then the chance had kind of almost gone uh, but look that that's going to take time because they haven't really played much game time together so they, the more they get to sort of train with each other and, and then the more game time they get then the more they'll have that understanding and hopefully we, we get the benefit of that kind of clicking into place next weekend um so <clears throat> yeah look not not the ideal build up to a, a cup final um it has to be said uh losing your, your number one keeper who has been absolutely superb for us i'm not as we've said not too stressed about uh carriers coming back in for uh for for a final game um he is experienced enough but Lee brought up a really good point this morning in the group chat where could this end up being that spark where, you know, like the, the like the Spurs game last season where we got tonked and it kind of really helped to settle the side and really focus them and they came out the next run of games and were just absolutely unstoppable. So first part I want to ask you is, do you think that this could be that kick up the ass that maybe they need and just to be able to concentrate or, or is it literally just a case of, look, we've got that game out of the way that, that I, I tweeted this out earlier on today where, look, I just wanted that game done. And you know, that was, that was a, that was a big distraction. The cup final is a big distraction. We need to focus on the cup final now and we've got no other excuses. We've got no other games. We can literally just go all in on that game. And we haven't been that, usual high intensity high press high press side of late um so what i'm hoping is that a lot of that is mainly down to players wanting to keep themselves and they don't want to like get sent off they don't want to get injured they, they've all got that that cup final and especially players like longstaff dan burn um trippier you know these are players who you know probably don't have a lot of cup finals left in them left in them if if at all 
Um, you know, they're all getting older or they're all desperate to play for Newcastle in terms of Longstaff and Byrne. You know, they want to play in this. They're, they're, they're wanting to be those heroes um, in the Cathedral on the Hill when they come back and there's just like a million people out in the streets and, and nobody can move. Um, you know, they're, they're obviously local lads. They support the team. They, they want to be a part of that. They want to be a part of that history. But you've got to think that some of the older players as well, they're, they're saying, look, you know how many chances are we going to get for another cup final get some silverware so they're obviously going to be wanting to be to be keen to be out there as well um i'm hoping that that's the case and that they're that the players have kind of just been a little bit distracted by the cup final and that they can all just go out there and leave everything on the pitch um do, do you see do you see the distractions there because obviously it is a big occasion for for the club for the fans and the players have got to have been feeling this because it's all anyone's talking about whenever you whenever you get Newcastle mentioned in a conversation for weeks now exactly well ever since the Southampton game which was probably what three weeks ago now it doesn't matter who we've been playing on the weekend everyone's been talking about either how to get tickets how to get to London how are we going to go on the day what a weekend it's going to be. It's it's all about the cup final and it, it's hard not to not to focus on that as again as players, especially like you said, Dan Byrne, Longstaff, they're local lads. They're they're just as desperate as, as the fans to get that that piece of silverware that we've been craving for. So I think to, to Lee's point, I think it it's a good one. I think it might be it might be spot on the, on the money. I don't agree with Lee all the time. Me and him do have uh, a lot of differences of opinion, but I will say that I it, it could end up being a the kick up the back side we, we do need. There is always that that moment when you go on a long unbeaten run as a club or as a team and it, it's great. Obviously, you're not getting beaten, but the longer it goes, the pressure builds, the pressure builds. I mean, we've seen it in our own sport here locally. I know my team, Essendon in, in 2000, they won 20 games in a row. Everyone was talking about they're going to go the whole season undefeated. They ended up losing the 21st game and everyone thought, oh, this is the end of the world. They've... They've stuffed their whole momentum up. It, it's over. They then go on and win the next three or four finals by, by 10 goals and win the premiership. Same thing happened seven years later with Geelong. So it happens in sport all the time where there's that long unbeaten run. It gets broken some way or another, gets broken, and then it sort of releases the pressure, the shackles that, yeah. all right, we can breathe again. It's not a 17-game unbeaten run that we're keeping. It's not the clean sheet record we're going for. All this stuff, all this weight, if there's not already enough weight in terms of the whole of Newcastle and who are pushing for this final victory. It, the weight's been lifted and, and we can be relaxed. And I think the the other thing that could be important for us that that no one really has, has sort of talked about because he's been suspended, but Bruno's been sitting there in the stands and sitting there waiting for three weeks. And you saw how much it meant to him when he got sent off, how, how distraught he was, even in the team photo. He didn't even want to smile in the team photo after the Southampton game because he knew he was going to miss the next three games. But... A fired up Bruno, who's who's really our talisman. He's the difference for us in the midfield between a a pedestrian solid midfield to a to a fantastic midfield. So he's the other secret weapon that we can unleash next week and and give us that bit of impetus that hopefully can uh, get us over the line. I know we're all craving that that trophy. Yeah, indeed. It's like everyone's got their meetups planned and everyone's heading down to London in the UK to watch it, even if they're just in a pub. Um, uh, I, I will 
pass my congratulations on to everyone who did manage to secure a ticket. I know there's been a lot of kerfuffle over some of the the, the ticketing issues going on. Um, it's it's not a it's not a new issue. It's just it's new for us because we haven't been to a cup final <laughs> for so long. But there's always those like hanger-ons, I guess you would say. They've always got the corporate tickets, and it's like the fact that there's like thirty odd thousand corporate tickets that are going off to either other fans or media or whoever. Um, and you've got a lot of fans who have either been to all the games or they've got season tickets, and they're missing out on the first final for God knows how long. You know that the this is I understand the frustration. Um, my my condolences to those who didn't manage to secure a ticket, and I, I do do feel a lot of sympathy for them, um, especially if they are season tickets. But season ticket holders. But look, congratulations to those who who uh, who managed to secure their tickets for the final. Enjoy every single second of it and cheer the team on. Um, I'm sure they'll do us proud. I, I fully expect us to leave everything out on the pitch. Um, I think, you know, I think we'll be we'll be fired up for it. Hopefully, in a good way where we're we're able to keep our heads and we don't have sort of moments of of red mist descend because we're too fired up. Um, sort of back in the old Mitrovic days where he got a little bit too carried away with his enthusiasm. So yeah, look, uh, I'm I'm buzzing for next weekend. I'll, I'll be in Vegas watching it. Um, I think there's a few meetups around uh, around Australia, so keep an eye on Aussie Mags and and your various fan fan uh, forums and Facebook pages and stuff because uh, it'll be nice to obviously watch it despite the fact that it's on at stupid o'clock in the morning here. Uh, on a Sunday of all, all of all things, Monday morning. Um, Monday, Monday morning. Mo- Monday morning. Yes, sorry. Uh, it is Sunday morning for me. It's like half eight kickoff over in the US, um, in the in the west coast of the US. So it'll be interesting to see anyway. So hopefully uh, everyone can get get behind the team, no matter where you're watching it, and they can uh, they can do the business for us and get that long-awaited silverware off off the off the shoulders, and and the pressure can lift, and then they can just sort of go out and be free for the rest of the season because you know look as you said look the pressure is going to build and the and the the expectations i think um and that's kind of like the last point that i want to make is there's there's a big difference between a team who is scrapping and fighting to escape a relegation fight and you know they're, they're basically giving everything they can and they're riding that wave of emotion from the fans and the the goodwill that they're getting um they're, they're riding that form as well um to a team where they've got the best defensive record in the league they're they're you know they're they unbeaten runs uh breaking records you know they have like these ongoing sort of records of of not conceding goals and stuff like that so the expectation that builds i think surrounding that is potentially more than you know the relegation scrap so i think the fact that as you said look we've 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 lost that game we've lost it you know convincingly but without being humiliated uh we have created chances and we've not been been sort of embarrassed by it i I guess it'll be nice to kind of you know go into this this cup final with a almost like a clean slate um yeah so i'm i'm sure we'll we'll cover scores and um, predictions and stuff in in the uh, the later the later week podcast that we're going to be doing. So we'll not cover that, but uh, it's been a pleasure, Dimmy. Um, thanks for for joining. Um, and for everyone who has been watching or listening, thanks very much. If you haven't already, please subscribe. Check out our club shop if you want to buy some merchandise uh, with our club logos on. Um, help support the uh, the channel. Um, pay for some bills for us, or at least help to. 
Um, but yeah, look, we we appreciate all the feedback and all the comments that we get. So please tell everyone, um, get them to come and have a chat to us and send through some suggestions. Uh, and we will leave it there. Thanks very much, Dimmy. Cheers, mate. I will catch you later on in the week.